Welcome to the 2SER Book Club, where every week we open up a new book and help you discover something to read, no matter what your taste. Here's Andrew and Tess. Morning, Andrew. Hey, Tess. How are you going? I am. Um, I'm good. I'm good. What about you? Yeah, no, going well. It's been uh, been a good morning so far. What are mm-hmm. we chatting about today? All right. So as I mentioned last week, today I've got the third of Graham Simpson's Rosie series, the Rosie Result. Uh, did you have you read any of the Rosie books? Can't say I have. All right. So the first book dropped in 2013, and since then it's gone on to this huge success across the world, exploring the unlikely adventures of Don Tillman. So Don Tillman's not like everyone else. As a successful geneticist, he has career satisfaction. And he's able to schedule and plan most other aspects of his life, such that optimal happiness can be achieved in a given circumstance. Optimal happiness. I love that. Yeah. So the first two books in the Rosie series saw Don try to plan his way into a relationship and then plan his way into parenting. Neither of these plans were particularly effective. (laughs) Instead, Don kind of discovered that his planning was more often counterintuitive as soon as more than one person was involved. I can see how that would be a problem. Mm. So around the release of the first two books, Graham Simpson was reluctant to be drawn on whether or not Don Tillman was autistic. The 40-something socially awkward geneticist, Don, was based around people that Graham had known who were sort of hyper-organised, good at like really good at what they do, and often socially awkward. But as Graham maintained, he wasn't qualified to diagnose Don, let alone anyone else as being on the autism spectrum. So now, six years later, Graham is taking the discussion firmly in hand as Don and Rosie return from New York to Australia. It's 11 years later, and with them is their 11-year-old son, Hudson. So I probably kind of spoiled the second book there a little bit. Whoops. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, their 11-year-old son, Hudson, and the transition for Hudson is not as smooth as it is for Don and Rosie. Everything's different, he's not fitting in at school, and he's struggling to make friends. Don and Rosie are called to the school after Hudson has a meltdown. There, they're confronted by the principal and Hudson's teacher, who suggest that Hudson may be on the spectrum and that they should get him a diagnosis. So what's changed? Well, look, if you ask Graham, and I did, um, it's a combination of factors. So Don received an unofficial diagnosis himself from an autism specialist that Graham met who had read the books. And in the years since the Rosie Project was published, the discussion around ASD has grown and evolved. And most particularly, there's this large and really active community of autistic people discussing things, uh, issues around neurodiversity, particularly online, and raising issues of visibility and inclusion. And so... Don and Rosie. Don and Rosie have to explore what is happening for their son, and Don must confront his own childhood, a time that he remembers with horror, to find a way to help Hudson. And what emerges is a sophisticated and heartfelt story of family, buffeted by these social forces and struggling to carve their own space. The novel brings together most of the characters and the elements that have been so beloved in the previous books. So if I had any criticism to make, it's that you really need to have read The Rosie Project and The Rosie Effect to fully appreciate the Rosie result. But then, I mean, like, who really went straight to Return of the King or Fifty Shades Freed (laughs) just because they couldn't be bothered with the first two? It would be a tactic that I would find questionable, I will admit. I I actually, um, I I circumvented all, skipped all the Fifty Shades books. Um, (laughs) Uh, You're not the only one. 
<laughs> and so, look, now we've got the Rosie result, and Don and Rosie must share the stage with Hudson, who is as wonderful a discovery uh, for, as a character as Don was in the Rosie Project. Nothing that I can say will really capture the unique voice of these characters. Don remains our point of view character, and we live through his perspectives, but this kind of adds an air of mystery to the story that we're constantly left guessing about what's really going on with Hudson. Um, so, right now, I'm guessing that a lot of parents would agree that's kind of what having teenagers is like. <laughs> mm. I feel I do not have children, but if I had to guess. Yeah, if you had to guess. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you probably remember being obtuse yourself. I was the worst teenager. <laughs> Sorry, Mum. So, Graham's writing is such that in the Rosie result, he's able to explore this range of perspectives and this range of issues without ever seeming didactic. And remember, this is not some academic topic he's exploring here. And we're reminded frequently that autism, it's not simply a diagnosis or an issue that needs to be managed. Throughout, he captures the nuance as well as the struggle around neurodiversity rights and a community of people who are more than the simple stereotypes they're so often painted to be in popular culture. I'm pretty sad that this is the last of the Rosie novels. Graham said that this is the third, it's the last. He's he said all he has to say and write about Don. Uh, it's also, though, arguably the most accomplished. It made me laugh and it made me cry in some really inappropriate public places. <laughs> uh, and I, I don't think I can give much higher a recommendation for a book. Yeah, it sounds really interesting and... Uh, I liked as well you mentioned, you know, okay, we're, we're looking back at Don's childhood as well as, you know, the present day, what's happening with Hudson. And I imagine as well, if we are discussing ASD, so much has changed uh, in just those short years about how we see uh, people with ASD, how we treat them. Visibility has grown so much, especially with uh, the awareness around diagnosis. But I think the the discussion and the inclusion of autistic people in that discussion probably hasn't quite kept up. So I think this is a great opportunity for people to approach it from the perspective of a story. Uh, and that's that's one of the great powers of novels and one of the great powers of storytelling is it gives us an opportunity to look into many, many aspects, many, many perspectives. And then it, it allows that visibility to extend. And so maybe people who um, who are interested in this will start to look online and look at the people who are part of the autistic community and are talking about this and look at some of the things, some of the really counterintuitive things that um, you might understand, like not all, not all visibility is good visibility. There have been series put up on platforms like Netflix that were not well or even universally uh, sort of greeted just because they had a neurodiverse character. But look, I, I love these books. I would recommend them. And I, I think it is great to expand your your perspective in reading this way. I love it. You've been listening to the 2SER Book Club. We record on Gadigal Land of the Eora Nation at 2SER's Broadway Studios in Sydney, Australia. The show is produced and presented by Tess Connery and Andrew Popel. And a big shout out to Michaela Savage for graphic design and artwork. If you're enjoying the book club, why not subscribe and get new episodes delivered straight to your phone every week? If you want more books, you can tune into Final Draft or subscribe to Final Draft Great Conversations Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. To keep up with everything happening at the station and discover more stories, ideas, and music, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just look for at 2SER.